The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. Nice to have you join us here today. You might be joining us live on 1150 AM KKNW on TransformationTalkRadio.com, on Facebook Live on my professional page, or after the fact on one of the podcasts. This ends up in dozens of them. I can't keep track these days. But whenever you're joining us from, I think you're going to be grateful because what we're going to be talking about today is really, really important. And I don't know that we have tackled this subject head on in the nine years that we've been doing this show. Um, And I'd like to welcome our guest today, Naomi Gibson. She was raised in a cult and she left that cult only to find her way into yet another one. She's now out of it. She's a writer, actor, producer, and activist working in Los Angeles. She's a second generation survivor of the cult, the children of God. Um, For Naomi, this has been a lifelong journey uh, of learning, of setting boundaries, of moving forward, of illuminating for the world what these things are and how people get stuck. Through her experience in choosing to share her story, she's discovered the importance and power of finding her voice. Her journey has been towards stepping forward to expose these types of nefarious organizations and the abuse and trauma that they bring forward. I would love to welcome our guest today, Naomi Gibson. Hi, Naomi. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's it's a fascinating story to first of all be raised in a cult. And I've I've talked to other people who've been raised in in a in a cult. Um, and some people would say that there are various cults that aren't deemed to be a cult, but um, are so restrictive in, in the way people believe and the way that they are allowed to act, that they are indeed a cult. Um, but first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your journey growing up within the children of God? Yeah, so as you said, I was born in the children of God. Um, my dad um, met my mom and my mom had recently joined, she was 16. So extremely young, my dad, I think was 20 when he joined, he was in college, um, going through a bit of a life crisis himself. And I think, I think when anyone joins anything, be it a yoga class or um, a yoga retreat or a religious group or AA or anything, they're at a crossroads with their life. They're at a point in their life where they want something more. They see something that they want to change in their life and organizations, be it a business, be it a cult, be it religious organization, um, you know, spin class, whatever, are there, you know, for you. Now, I think those things are always built around positivity and growth and like, oh yeah, we're going to, we have your best intentions at heart. But unfortunately, a lot of the times at the head of those organizations are predators, case in point. I mean, just period. And Um, a lot of times they foster their organization around their predatory nature. So good people join organizations like cults. And so my parents joined this cult wanting more for their lives. My mother was raised Catholic in Argentina. So another cult um, that was cultivated throughout centuries. And um, so my, so she, it wasn't that odd for her to be in another organization where they're singing about God and preaching the word of God around, you know, she actually thought it was a little more free than the, than the religion she grew up in, in the Catholic uh-huh. school she was in. 
So, so she thought they, she was climbing out. She thought she was climbing out of a box. Yeah. Really, she was hopping into another one. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and, and, you know, I think the organization at the start of it was they targeted a lot of young people because the youth are the, the way, you know, the youth are the future. So um, the head of the children of God was uh, David Berg and his also had, he had many names, um, Mo, Moses, the prophet, um, the list goes on. And so the head, and he was always very elusive and these kind of organizations, the head of the organization is usually very elusive. Only the select few get to meet with him. And when he does come around, it's like this huge, you know, ceremony or something around it. So, um, so it, it adds this prestige, you know, it adds this allure. It adds this like, oh my God, you had to sit down. Like, you know, for Nixium, the cult that I was, I found myself involved in. It's like, you had a conversation with Keith. Oh my God, what was that like? And, and everyone's kind of just, in this awe of this person who created this world, you know, that you're all part of. So there's that. And there was a lot of um, controversy around the children of God in Argentina or and in South America, I should say. So they kind of okay. took the Let, group of the people let's to, back. to disband them around okay, the so world. So before you, you get into how that happened, um, let's talk a little bit about the the lure of the spirituality the lure of doing something for the not only the good of the individual but the good of the collective because i think that that is a, a really pertinent part of any kind of um cult it's it's like you get programmed to believe that it is for the greater good right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you want more and you want to do good and that's the thing that they, I think they cultivate within yourself and they cultivate within the community. Mm -hmm. And and that feels good, right? Because when you do good for others, you feel good for yourself, right? And, and right. I think at the heart of all these organizations are really good people just wanting to, to push forward a, 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 an idea, a, a belief, a philosophy to, to other and to make them feel connected because that's at the heart of it. We all just want to be connected. And that's why I think cults are so, they're so prevalent because we all just want to connect with each other. We all want to, and, all, and we all want it to mean something. And when you're yeah. sitting there and you're, you're with a group of people and you're teaching your belief system, your philosophy, or you're bringing them to a yoga class or you're bringing them to a spin class and you're like, this is going to motivate you to get to where you want to be in life. And I think right. that's where we all want to be. That's what we all want, you know? And I think the sad, at the heart of it, the saddest thing is that there are people who prey on that and who take advantage of that, that pure vulnerability of like, I'm at a crossroads with my life. I don't know what I want to, I don't know where I want to be, but this sounds great. And I, you sound, you guys look great. And I want to be part of this. And, yeah. and that's, and ultimately what happened to the downfall of a lot of these organizations and these people in them. And so just to recap with my, with my family, that's kind of where my mom was. That's exactly where my dad was. He wanted more, he wanted to explore the world. So it took him to, our, um, to Argentina to meet my mom, Peru, Ecuador, all around South America. And then ultimately took our family to India. And we lived there for many years. And then um, we moved to the Philippines to um, a commune called the Jumbo, which a lot of the um, leadership was there and which was very regimented and extremely, which were a lot of the abuse began with myself, my brothers, and you know I think everybody that lived there. It was pretty dark. It was a really dark place and a really dark time in my life. And I met someone outside years later and who was in the children of God. And I, cause she was writing a paper on, um, on cults. And so I'm like immediately like, Oh my God, had to talk to her. Cause I hadn't right. ever met anyone that was, you know, just in regular life, um, outside of the cult and spoke to her mother and her mother was, Oh my God, we were in Sweden at the time, but we heard about the jumbo and I didn't really know, you know, my family didn't really talk about it. 
you know, we didn't, and that's the thing. A lot of times there's so much shame and guilt that just is embedded when you leave an organization like this or you're part of something nefarious, you just push it under the rug. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want anyone to know, you know, and, and you're, but you, you carry this, this seed of shame with you throughout your life. And it ultimately really affects, affected me throughout my whole life, affect my brothers. And I think that's the point of speaking about it and coming forward and, and talking to people and, and these little seeds of people throughout my life going like, oh my God, that ju- the jumbo was, we heard about it. We heard rumors. Oh my God, I can't believe you were part of that. And I'm, you know, thinking to myself, oh, really? I guess it was bad. You know, not realizing that there was severe abuse going on, sexual, okay. physical, mental, all of the above, you know, and, and okay, until so- you see it, then I think you don't know it. Yeah. And um, I think it's great that you've come out about this. I don't want to sugarcoat this for Mm -hmm. our listeners and viewers. It's easy to say abuse. It's easy to say sexual abuse. And we can imagine some of that. But um, what kind of manipulation was going on? And did it involve children? And and was it, you know, was it within the family? Was it within the organization itself? And tell us a little bit more. You don't have to get graphic, mind you, but I, 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 I want people to understand um, how toxic this sort of thing is. So what these types of organizations do is they want to separate families, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you are separated from your family, then the things that they are trying to lead you towards, right? The control, the abuse, whatever, you're more susceptible, you're more vulnerable, and you're, you're, you're less likely to go back to your family going like, was that, was that a bad thing that happened to me? because you don't have anyone to be your sounding board. So you are alone, you're vulnerable. And the organization has these belief systems and the the children of God had this belief system that it was okay to have sex with children. And I'm just gonna put it bluntly like that. And it's horrible. And that was in the eighties. And that was because David Berg was a child abuser. And there's a lot of history Mm -hmm. on it, but he, he, was a predator, a sexual predator, and he had mm-hmm. this in him. And what do people do when they're powerful? They want other people to do what they do so that they don't feel wrong. And they make other people do the thing. I mean, there was a there was a man who was in the cult and he came out and he was speaking with um, Larry King years ago. And he had a problem with the teaching. He had a problem with the, the um, abuse of children and the leadership got to him you know so much twisted his words twisted his way of thinking so much so that he ended up doing it so then he was guilty of the very thing he had issue with and that's a lot of times what they do they the victimize victimizers turn their victims into victimizers Right. And so that's like an indoctrination, are, not only into the belief system, but into the guilt. So then you don't leave and you can't leave because if anyone found out how you, you, so they're your people now. And that's exactly right. They're indoctrinated into the belief system so much so that they own them in a way. And that, that's where crimes happen and, you know, all of these things get pushed under the rug because then you can't come forward because you're guilty of the very thing that you want to expose. Right. And it happens a lot. I mean, it happened in Nixium, it happens in Children of God. And, you know, it, it, this, it, this is just, I think, something that's very deep embedded into the human psychodynamic of sociopaths and psychopaths. Right. Um, so, what else? <laughs> so, so I think in terms of... Um, pedophilia and, um, you know, rape, molestation, that it's really about control. It's, it's, it's not so much about fulfilling sexual desire as it is this twisted around version of control. And so if you want to control people, you, you start early, right? Because then they get programmed to be the victim. They get, get, um, programmed to be controlled and to somehow on some level be okay with it, mm-hmm. which is incredibly toxic. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wasn't, and the thing is like, this is, this is the trajectory of my life. So I was um, sexually abused when I was five years old by one of my caretakers. And, um, and then a lot of other little things happened, you know, along the way um, that were just, I mean, horrible and no child, no person should ever have to deal with that. Um, you know, they, they had a very free minded openness to sex and teaching sex. And that's where I'll, I'll, I'll go there with that. Mm -hmm. And so as my parents got out, my, my fam, my mom was having issues with some of the things that were going on. My brother, my older brother was acting out, having a lot of issues and of course, and in a controlled environment, you're not allowed to be a person, you know, you're not allowed to be a child with ideas and wants and things and, you know, mischievousness and, and things like that. You have to control, you have to be confined. You know, we weren't allowed to talk at, at, at dinner time or lunch or breakfast. And I am five years old and I just want to talk to somebody. And so I got in yeah. trouble several times and what I, we would have to do, we'd have, we'd have to wear a sign that said we were sinners or whatever and whatever we sinned and didn't clean the, 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 you know, the dining area where we, you know, an imaginable five-year-old carrying plates, just like, oh yeah, don't talk to me because I said, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know. I mean, and as so little, I just knew I did something wrong and I was a sinner, but, and you carry that with you. And it definitely has an effect on, you know, the next time I talk and the next time I want to share an idea or I want to be free. And so they were really confined in that, in that idea of, of, of really stripping down who you are, what you are at, at the, at the earliest of ages, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that you are this like soldier for God. And that's basically what they were teaching us to be. And so the abuse was prevalent then. It wasn't just about sexual abuse. It was about verbal and behavioral controlling kind of abuse. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. The whole thing. I mean, the whole gamut. I mean, this organization is still going on. You know, um, a lot of, um, you know, there, the, there's no education for kids. They don't, they teach them some kind of like homeschooling. There is some books and things, but when there is no accreditation. So if you're a teenager and you want to get out, you have no education really. And so you can get your GED and there has been, my father ended up getting out um, and then helping teenagers kind of assimilate back into society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're really, so a lot of the times they go into the military because that's an option for them. But that's kind of one cult to another, you know, and a lot of, and then that creates, they've already had childhood trauma PTSD from that and being in a controlled, very religious environment. And then they go into the military, which is also can cause a lot of trauma and PTSD. Mm-hmm. And, and then a lot of them lead to drugs. I mean, that's really the trajectory of a lot of these kids. And the, and if you look at second, third generation, a lot of them have committed suicide. I mean, it, this, the numbers are staggering, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and I believe OD and drugs is a, is a form of suicide you know, um, because that's just the trajectory of where they're going. So on that path and, and a lot of the, I mean, it's just, it, it's so, it's so terribly sad what happens to these, and to these children and second, third, fourth generation now, you know, and even the parents. And I think the, the saddest part is that a lot of the people in that, in there, and as they get out, it's so deep rooted. It's so, um, it's, it affects them so much that it's so hard for them to talk about it. I mean, it, it, and it was really hard for me to talk about it. It wasn't until I was approached to do um, seduced inside the Nixium cult that I found that all of the things that I had gone through and the fact that I had, hadn't really gone through a tremendous amount of healing to heal a lot of the trauma that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of where I found 
my voice and found the opportunity to really see what it is that I had gone through and what it is that my family had gone through. And, and the fact that we never really went through the healing process of, of trying to unravel all of the things that happened to us. And I think that's at the crux of it all, because it's so hard. Again, you're carrying so much shame. And as a child, why did I carry shame? Because I knew what I was a part of was wrong. And Mm -hmm. my family, the people, my family, that members that were out of the cult, we, we just, they didn't understand. And so Mm -hmm. we were just these people that were part of this group that we can't really talk about anymore and we can't really let anyone know. Yeah. And that's, so I think, how a lot old of the times when we got out. Yeah. How old were you when you, um, when I was seven years old. I was seven years old when, when we got out, um, we moved from the Philippines to, um, New Mexico where my dad's family was. And my dad was with us for a year and he went back in. Wow. So choosing the controlled, uh, abusive environment over family, that, that too must have had an impact on you mm-hmm. and your brother. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and my mom too, you know, yeah. um, looking back, I kind of understand where he was because I think a lot of the times when you're in this environment and that is your purpose and you've made it your, you know, he, they took a vow of poverty, you know, before the cult, you know, they took a vow that they would always be these missionaries, these soldiers for Jesus. So it's, it's, I, when you've, when you've done that for yourself and you have this integrity, even though you know that at the heart of it, like you don't even see that what it is, it's bad, but you've, Mm -hmm. you've, you've taken this vow that there's some kind of integrity within yourself that you can't let that go. And even your family, your little family that needs you is, isn't, isn't part, isn't, doesn't matter because you, Mm -hmm. you, their mission that you said set forth, and that's where I think really my, where my dad was, like he was on uh-huh. this mission and he thought that that was the important thing, that that was going to carry him through. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the children of God was a doomsday cult, you know, they thought the world was going to end in the early nineties, you know? Okay. And so, so there's that-, that thing. And then I had a problem with my dad. I was like, dad, you left us right before the world was supposed to end. Like, what did you think? <laughs> Like where he can't answer it. He just can't, he can't, he's just like, I mean, cause it literally, I think it, cause it just does not compute. But there are some things that they wire in your brain that make right. you think that this is okay. You know, and they got you and they support you. Well, no, we're the community. Oh yes. They don't get it. Just let them go. And a lot of the times that's what happens. They, they, they shun you. We were shunned when we wanted to leave in the, in, in the jumbo. We were, we were put aside in these little barracks outside. We weren't allowed to, you know, talk to anyone else because, you know, our, we were, we were bad. Oh, we wanted to leave. We were bad. Don't talk to them because we might influence them in some way because it's all about influence. It's all about control. Yeah. And that, that separation um, reinforces the, the us versus them kind of thing within whatever the cult is. It's, it's like that, that us versus them, I think must be integral to the control because you don't want to become one of them. We're, we're so tribal in nature that being shunned like that, I'm sure it was very painful for any of us who have felt like we haven't fit in or have stepped outside an, an organization or a religion or whatever it is and have been judged, then, um, it's, it's painful, you know, and, mm-hmm. and scientists, scientists have shown that through ostracism, it triggers the same part of the brain that physical pain does. Mm-hmm. So it is in, incredibly painful. And it's like, it's, it's programmed in us not to get ostracized or banned or banished because, um, you know, that it, it, it's a survival thing, I think. Oh, I mean, look at, look at how we are on social media. I mean, there's yeah. literally a job called influencers. They're to yeah. influence us into living, buying, being a certain way. And, right. and, and we are attracted to them. We are attracted to the thing or we're not. And they feed off of our likes 
tweets, comments, watching them, you know, and, and it, and it feeds this innate desire in us to want to be included, to want to be part of something. Oh, I, oh, did you see her? Did you see him? That, that thing, I'm going to totally buy that thing because that's going to help me get to where I want to be in life or whatever it is, you know? And and, and the bots, the bots that, that with all these comments, it's, it's funny because I've seen, um, these postings where they've, they've, they've done copy, like they've taken the photos and they've grouped them all together. And they're all these things, these pe- so-called people who've said the exact same thing. And, you know, clearly they're, you, you've seen bot factories, you know, there are all these phones that, you know, with each person sort of controlling them. And it's just filled, the rooms are filled with thousands of phones and, and dozens of people controlling them. And so mm-hmm. the, the, through the, the fake people too, not just like those who want to financially motivate us, but you know, any any kind of political or or you know perspective on reality, it, it there are people who want to control that through fake people. Oh yes, and that and that you know, ultimately, I think where it's so dangerous, you know, it is so so dangerous that and that's you know, just what's looking with what's happening with America, what, what happens with other countries, with how that mm-hmm. influence bleeds in and this, this disinformation, you know, there is misinformation, which is you're misinformed. It is uh-huh. not part of the whole truth, right? But then there's mm-hmm. disinformation, which are just blatant lies to confuse, uh-huh. to, to eradicate, to, to push an agenda, uh-huh. you know, and it's, it's so dangerous because that's where we are losing what is real, what is not. Who is the right? Who is who has our best interest at heart politically? Uh-huh. Yep. In the religion, in in in, in a relationship, and who who doesn't? You yeah. know. And I think that's where the sway of of control is really at play. Uh-huh. And 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 it starts with small little groups, you know, in someone's home talking about an idea to. The White House, you know, yeah, um, yeah. where where people are ultimately killed, you know, because of someone's belief, and right. and pushing that agenda and getting someone to follow and, and getting someone to be like, no, this isn't the way, you know, and um and 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 that's where I I, I feel if if you if we can just talk about this idea, if we can understand what course of control is, if we can understand what gaslighting is and what this idea of like that brainwashing isn't just like these drones people or these people who are in this like you know religious organization, well, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm sorry. I'm I would never join a cult. It's like, okay, well, what about that boyfriend who was really narcissistic? And uh-huh. made you do things that you didn't really want to do, and you stayed in right. that relationship for however long. Or he was abusive, or verbally abusive, or emotionally abusive. Not, and it didn't have to be physically abusive. We just don't see it because we don't know that what those things look like until yeah. we're outside. We see it in a movie. We see someone talking about it. We read about it, and we're like, "Oh, that mm-hmm. yeah. that was me. Yeah, I was and- in that kind of relationship." We've got to go to a quick break, um, but when we return, Naomi, I, I, I want to talk further about this because I think that the timing of you getting vocal about this is really, really important because I think that a lot of people don't understand how this, this subversive control, this, this, this um, manipulation of belief system, how toxic it is and how how hidden it is it's it's we think it will be transparent but it's 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 often not yes so 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 stay tuned for more with naomi gibson on the other side of this break i'm christine upchurch and this is a stellar reflections minute years ago when facing cancer without any immediate treatment options i sought healing by making various life changes for a while i followed a very restrictive diet i often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad Then one day I realized I was consuming foods based on fear, fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt, than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. 
Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there. But when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area, Transformation Talk. Um, And of course, after the fact, up on my YouTube channel, um, thanks to Kyle, she's getting the videos put up there and... I know that Jacob is working behind the scenes at TTR to get the video to Kyle. So I want to say my thank you to them and also point you to the YouTube channel. Okay, so Naomi, it's, it's, it's so insidious, the manipulation control. And I think that what most people think is it can't happen to me or, okay, well, I was raised in a controlling religion when I was growing up, but I got out of that. But what I've been realizing over the last year, year and a half, um, well, probably longer than that, is that people are programmed to believe in a certain way. And we think of that, that programming as just like this, this background truth, right? That, that like, this is just the way the world is. This is, this is who I am. This is, you know, my thinking like this is perfectly logical because this is the way the world works. How do you stop for a moment or for a day or for a year and say, wait a minute, Um, maybe what I was taught, maybe the way I was raised, maybe what I've been told isn't right. Maybe it's toxic. How, How did you go about doing that? Oh, it is so hard. It is so hard because what you're taught becomes your thoughts, becomes who you are, becomes what you do, becomes your actions, right? And so when I'm acting on something or I'm saying something to a friend, you know, and I, and I'm talking about more when I'm in Nixium, right? Because I had my formative years inside um, the children of God. And that really set myself up to my character and who I am and, and, and the things I believe and, and then moving away from religion and, and wanting to explore um, spirituality, all religions. I studied every religion because I was so fascinated with religion and um, found myself involved in a self-help group as, an, as a young adult, you know, in search of more, in search of wanting. It wasn't around any kind of religious um, group. And, but it was all about words. It was all about choosing your words, studying a word. What does love mean? Oh, what does respect mean? Oh. Well, it means this. Well, actually it means this, but we use it like this, you know, and that's what they teach you. Right. And so slowly you're indoctrinated into these, you, you realize you don't know the words you're using. That's what they teach you. And they do this in Scientology as well. This is, this is at the crux of a lot of uh, cults that they, uh-huh. that they, they take these words that you think, you know, and they give you new definitions for them. Uh-huh. So now, you know, these different things. And now you know their definitions for the words. And now, now you start thinking like them. Start saying the same words. You start using the same vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, now you're part of them. Now, you're, now that's all you want to do is you just want to hang around these people. Because when you go hang around these other people who don't know these words and don't know how to think like they do, you're, they're, they're oh, yeah. Just come to an intro, come to a class, and you'll, you'll be so much better off. You'll be like me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, look at me. I sound great, and I'm looking great, right? 
So then, so then, so then you're, you're indoctrinated, you're programmed into these things, right? And everything falls apart. We're just like, we're hitting it really fast. Everything falls apart. The group is nefarious. Crimes are committed. He's in jail for 120 years. And now I'm talking to a girlfriend and I find myself using the same words. I find myself thinking the same things. And now I'm like, wait a minute, whoa. And I have to stop myself because I've had friends when I was in the Nixium that were like, yeah, sometimes Naomi, when you would say stuff, I would have to just disregard it because it literally sounded, it didn't connect to it. Uh-huh. And that was that. And I wish, you know, why, did, why didn't she tell me that in the, when we were talking, but that's the thing we, we don't, we're not that honest with each other. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. You're on uh-huh. a path or, uh, of, of human development and discovery. I don't want to derail you. But, mm. but I'm not connecting to what you're saying. Right. I wish you would have said that to me in the moment. Maybe I would have thought about it what I was a part of back then, but who knows, right? I could have just been angry and been like, well, you don't really know because you've never taken a class. You know, who knows where my mind would have gone right. with that. And, but now and- I find myself deprogramming myself mm-hmm. and defining, is that my definition? Is that the way I want to think about this thing? Or is that right. their indoctrination into my into me that I now have to find a new, a new voice, a new way of, of, of thinking because it's yeah. so embedded. It's so deep. And so you have, and, and so I'm finding myself taking some of this, taking some of that and, and just trying, trying to find my own true North within that, which is, I think sometimes hard, you know, Sure. And, you know, they, they say that in relationships, you're hanging out with someone, they say things and they look, and then you start looking like them, right? You start speaking like them and you right. start emulating them in a way. And it's just this like natural thing we do, you know? And, and so I think organizations, they prey on that. They prey on that likeness. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it, it, it can, you can lose yourself in it, sure. you know? And, and one of the things that strikes me as you're telling your story is that they also prey on the fact that we want to feel not only like a a part of something important, but we want to feel superior to others. And that is, um, I think it's inherent in all sorts of cults, whether we're talking about, you know, the cult of religion, what, you know, what society is comfortable calling cults, um, certain um, health perspectives, you know, very cultish. And so it's like, oh no, we have the answer, you know, we are closer to God, we are closer to whatever, and therefore we are better. And, and it's like, we have such unworthiness issues. You know, we, most of us grew up feeling like we're not worthy. So if we can feel superior through that kind of programming, through that kind of talking, through that kind of behavior, then it kind of can temporarily fill that that hole where you know where we're not feeling worthy absolutely absolutely I, I think that's you know a couple of things came up to me and when you were speaking and and one inherently that that I've seen across the board I've in my how I um, found Nixium was I was working for a company that um, had speakers of all kinds come through who had books who you know, self, self-help, you know, how-tos, uh, it was called the learning annex. And um, I met Marcus Sente and he, um, what he was speaking on, he had just done a documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know, which I loved. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to move to LA and I was, um, I'm in the entertainment field and, and was like, oh, well, he's no, he knows people, I'm gonna reach out to him, which I've never done. I never, out of all the speakers and I've worked with all of them, anyone who was who, um, I just felt something and what he was saying, I was really, uh, it was just attractive. It was, it, he, it was the, all the things he was saying about, you know, human development and, you know, how to live our life to its full potential, how to find joy in everything that we do and how to be the person that you want to be and, and not at the dead end job that you hate, you know, and, and all of those things, I was like, oh my God, yes, this is what I want. So I reached out to him. He invited me to an intro and, um, you know, everyone there was happy. They looked really successful. It was a beautiful, you know, house in, in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, all the things they spoke of was about, you know, how we lose our dream 
as we get older from the various conditioning that happens throughout our lives. You know, you're a dancer, for instance, and this is how they would paint it. And, and you, you were, you know, you were dancing and you were free as a child and you all, you just loved dancing so much. And then, you know, you knocked something over and you got in trouble for it. And then now you associate dancing with this bad, terrible thing, you know? And so you don't want to dance anymore because every time you dance, you feel this icky feeling, you know, because you got yelled at for breaking something, but those are two separate things. But we've, as children, we connect them, you know, and as you're developing, you connect them. And so what Nixium said that they could break those Pavlovian links and break that, those ties and, and help you find why it is that you're limiting yourself from the things that you want to do in life, the things that really bring you joy. And so, so that all sounds great. That sounds great. So um, how was that organization toxic and, and how was it a cult? Well, we'll just start from the end. The leader was Keith Ranieri. He um, almost a year ago was um, sentenced to 120 years in prison without possibility of parole that's massive 120 years i mean for no murder no like dead bodies you know you think about people who get that much time that they were you know they have they've done something tangible that you can see yeah and you know the judge Grofflos, who who was at the head of this i think did an amazing job at seeing how destructive a person who has the ability to indoctrinate people into their belief system mm -hmm. can be and i think it's a, it's 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 going to ch change the world in terms of allowing people to see that these types of organizations exist and their crimes and they're punishable so he had a predilection for having sex with many women. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people in the organization knew about it, but nobody really said anything. Mm -hmm. I, in, 20, in 2007, I joined Nixium and went to Albany for this thing called V Week. And I remember seeing, and I was new to this, you know, I was like a month in, mm -hmm. but you know, they got me, they had this, they had this video and their marketing was amazing. They had a great way of talking about it. They had a great way of bringing people in, young people. I was, you know, my, in my 20s. Um, they, they had, you know, and I was looking for more. You know, I had graduated college. I, I, wanted, I wanted to be part of something that meant something. Again, same thing with my dad, you know. And, um, uh, sorry, I thought the cat was getting something. Um, you know, I, I, I. And, and, and this group was there for that. They had actors, they had, you know, writers, they had all the people that I wanted to, to be around, you know, um, they had business owners. I mean, everyone was super successful and it was all about, it was called the executive success program. It wasn't called Nixium for, for us, you know, mm -hmm. and it was all about entrepreneurship and, 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 and gaining wealth and being who you want to be. So that was, that was exactly where I wanted to be in life. And, mm -hmm. I mean, who, who does it though? You know, like I right, tell us right. people and they're all like, I want that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's too bad. He was a predator, you know, criminal. Mm -hmm. And he created a enterprise um, of people to help foster his control over people. You know, Allison Mack was one of the um, uh, members who was vulnerable being in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. and vulnerable to his um, teachings. Um, I think there's, um, it's a delicate balance between wanting to do something great and wanting to be great and wanting to have power over people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and 
you know, we see that we see how, you know, with, with people we've put into places of power, right? How they change, yeah. how they listen to the people, how they become, are they, do they listen to the, to the people around them? Or are they just dictators who want to push their agenda and they don't want to listen to the people around them, right. you know, and they don't want that, that support of, of, of everyone. You know, I think what's happening with America, and I just want to tie that in, is there's this polarization of you versus them, us versus you, whatever uh -huh. that means to you, whatever side of the alley aisle you're on, it doesn't really matter what happened. Why aren't we finding our, our way together? Why aren't we we looking at our, our differences and saying, yes, we're different. We got it. But we're all human at the same point in time. And we all want to live our lives happily. You know, but it strikes but me as those in control and we can, you know, we have to be careful who we say, you know, there, there, there are things that get um, censored, but those who have financial gain, those who have the, the gain of power, um, they benefit from us having this, this concept of us versus them, this, this divisiveness, this, conflict because if we're going like this we're not looking up here to see the dysfunction to see the criminality to see the corruption so mm -hmm. um i really wish that people instead of focusing on you know how they think somebody should be doing something differently and, and how awful it is what they're doing um when they're just making a choice for themselves mm -hmm. and instead focus that on well who would benefit from us being divisive who would benefit from the the argument, the the social media conflict? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and really questioning where our information is coming from. You know, rather mm -hmm. than saying, "Well, that's is that a yeah. fact? Is that fake uh -huh. news?" It's no, it's beyond that. We're beyond that. <laughs> we we you know, I had a friend recently send me a video, and I didn't watch the video. I just read the comments. And that's what I do. I read the comments first. I want to see who's watching these videos and right. who, 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 and who take, is taking the time to comment and what kind of conversations are they having? And is that mm -hmm. the kind of narrative that I want to put inside my brain? You uh -huh. know? And, and, and do I want that information inside? No. And I look and I'm like, no, thank you so much for sending this to me. But I, I read, you know, I, I, I don't think this is something I want to watch but I, I appreciate you wanting to share this information. And I, and I implore for you to just, and I took screen grabs of some of the comments, uh -huh. you know, and, and, and it's just like, is this in line with your belief system? Oh no, it's not. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, and that's where I think if we can help educate each other while we're on this journey of trying to figure out where we want to be, who we want to be, what do we want to be a part of? That's right. kind of at the heart of it all, you know? And I think, you know, with Nixium, I think the downfall and how it, how, cause at the heart of it, again, we're really good people. People, people really wanting to do good and push this idea forward of, of, of trying to be joyful, trying to do and, 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 and capitalize on the essence of who you are and how, how we can bring that forward. You know, there's so many people in the organization that build little careers, little businesses so that they could sustain themselves, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, amazing, right? right? So many things that were good happened. It's just at the heart of it was this man who was insecure, who had issues of his own, you know, and was also very intelligent and understood the human psychodynamic and can really right. control people. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things he said to Mark Vicente about Alison Mack was, Mark was said, well, why are you so hard on her? And he mm -hmm. said, I want to break her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the name of, of your movie? So the documentary is called Seduced Inside the Nixium Cult. And, um, and it follows India Oxenberg's story along with her mother, Catherine Oxenberg. And Catherine Oxenberg um, worked to get India out. And it was the first time India spoke after being involved in the cult, I think for seven years. And she was really immersed in it and um, um, found herself ensnared in um, the, really when it was all hitting the fan. And this is about her journey of how 
she found her voice and and found her way out. And then um, uh, I'm in it as well, speaking about my story and mm -hmm. um, just sharing uh, uh, a little bit more about about Nixium, about the the environment, the allure, mm -hmm. and um, you know, one thing that's great that we all came together, some other women too, who also um, were a part of it. And I think the wonderful thing about this documentary in particular is that it really it really hones in on um, that cult mentality, and and mm -hmm. they have experts, they have um, leading people who are who are working in the field of of cultic science I don't really know what it's called but like helping people see what these types of organizations and how they form how they start the history of mm -hmm. cults and mm -hmm. um and you know and and it's I think a really great piece to help educate and help people understand that these aren't just happening in you know over there it's, it's yeah. happening in your and neighborhood. It's, it's happening everywhere. And it's seduceddocumentary.com. Yeah, so um, the document, and the website is great, seduceddocumentary.com. And there you have an option to, if you find yourself that you want to share your story anonymously or put your name out there, um, you can uh, share your own story, read some stories um, from other people who've shared their stories. And there's another website that came out during this time. Maybe they were inspired by us. I'm not sure. But it's called igotout.org and where you can read other people's stories of how they were involved in um, relationships that were um, cult-like. You know, you can be in a one-on-one -on -one cult, sure, um, you sure. can be in a familial cult. And, um, and, so and, I, I, and I wanna mention that we can be in a, a, a much greater collective cult. And I really want people to, to re-listen to this interview to hear what Naomi and I had to say about this because um, we have a lot of mind control, we have a lot of behavioral control, and we are at a critical juncture on our planet right now. And we need to think, whose belief is this? Who does this benefit? How do I maintain my sovereignty and my individuality to really be um, to show up for my own good and, and truly that of the collective, not somebody else's perspective of how we should show up. Um, Naomi, I want to thank you. Good for you for coming out about this. And thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. And I look forward to talking to all our viewers and listeners again next week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.